Welcome back to the Highway to Healing Podcast, all about breaking the stigma of mental health in our community. Today, we sit down and we discuss what is our definition of a man. And we also get into the topic of men establishing healthy relationships with our emotions. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Highway to Healing Podcast, where we are changing the narrative of healing and trauma in our community. Um, we are here. You got your three hosts. It's me, Jay Tobe. James Parker and Sharon, aka Bay Therapist. Now, before we get started on this topic, we do want to start with a quick little video. As I sit here, I think about all the men whose emotions are impassively dismissed daily. So we take the hurt and pain inward. Even the rapper Drake says, I pop bottles because I bottle my emotions. But holding it in is dangerous. Eventually, when life shakes us, we pop the pills or the gun. Don't let anyone make you feel like something is wrong with you just because something is wrong with you. Instead, diligently seek counseling, therapy, and safe spaces to share with people you know who care. The time has come, my brothers, for us to take the mask off and stop being ninjas with our emotions. Suicide may be the only option you think you have, but as in sports, if you allow the play to develop, allow time needed to process your thoughts and emotions, you will find that you can score in this life. Be transparent, be vulnerable, and be free. All right. Sharon, Sharon, Sharon. If you will, go ahead and bring us in for this topic for the day. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I figured, you know, the benefits of, of having a podcast with, with these two men, right, is really to explore the, the journey of men in healing and exploring emotions. We referenced that in this podcast before, like, yeah, you know, men are not taught to explore these things, but I don't think we really talk about why and where this comes from. And I wanted to talk about what it means to be a man and just being very curious about your journey because I'm currently working with a male client and there were these things out of his control, like things that had happened to him. And he kept referring like this concept of, I didn't feel like a man. I didn't feel like a man, like my manhood was being taken away for things that had nothing to do with him. Like his car got broken into. And he had mentioned, I don't feel like a man. And I just thought that was interesting. And it made me think about um, how we define manhood and where it comes from. So just really, it comes from an oppressive society, right? Men are dominant. Women are subordinate, right? And it's this idea of control. Control is control over the world, yourselves, people, right? And how much men have to unlearn that, right? Of this idea of control. Um, and so then when we talk about emotions, it's this idea of, well, if I don't show emotions, I'm showing that I am in control, right? And so I really think that that's where this stuff comes from. So for the for y'all, I was like, well, I might as well ask all these questions. It just made me really curious about your journey, how I came across, and all these other things, right? So just to kind of start us off, I'm actually just curious, like, growing up, did you have an idea of what it meant to be a man? Like, just what was, like, your, your concept of it? How did you define it? Or did you have role models, right? Like, did you have, like... Let me ask you this: Who was the who was the man that you knew, and you were like, man, that's a man. Like that's that's who I want to that's who I want to be. Like, what was your idea of a man? Oh, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> uh, James, uh, go ahead, Jay. I said, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> go ahead, Jay. Um, there's a few questions you in there you said, and I'm gonna try my best to answer them all. Okay. The first one was um, like basically, like, what was my model or who I. So like this is what a this is what a man is supposed to be. Um, I'm gonna be very honest. For me, it was bits and pieces of different people in my life. You know, there was aspects about my grandfather um, that to me was like this is this is what a man is supposed to be. There were things and characteristics that my dad showed me that was like this is what a man is supposed to be. Some of those things overlap between the two of them, so that's kind of like solidified that. This is what a man's supposed to be. And then there was also other people outside, like my uncles and uh, other cousins and stuff like that. So for me, just being quite honestly, like what I was taught, uh, what a man is supposed to be is somebody who's supposed to provide for their family, 
um, somebody who goes out there, works hard, uh, someone who definitely doesn't show show any emotion, um, and that control thing you said, it's about controlling and stability, supposedly. It was like a, we don't let things bother us, we keep it within, we handle it within, because we got to be that person for the rest of the family type thing. We got to be that that pillar, so to speak, to kind of help out the rest of the family. And so, like, bits and pieces of that was within these different people that I, knew, I grew up with in my life. And so, for me, that was kind of like manhood, uh, making sure you are doing some things um, in your power to make sure your family is good financially, um, and then making sure that your family is good, whatever needs they need, that you are the one who's trying to get those needs met. Um, however, it's, it's really interesting because emotionally it was not one of those, <laughs> one of those things, but the rest of the needs, that's what you're supposed to provide for food, clothing, shelter, transportation, um, ass whooping, excuse my language, uh, <laughs> all those kind of things, discipline, like th- those, those were the things that I thought, well, okay, this is what manhood is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. James. Mr. Parker. Yeah, I was gonna say James. Yeah, I, I would say, <clears throat> I would say, the same, right? Like taking bits and pieces from everyone around me. I would say I was blessed enough to have a lot of male role models in my life that I could take bits and pieces from. Um, not everyone is Absolutely. so lucky, but to, to see like like the way my grandfather loved my grandma, right? That was something I saw. Like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to love someone you know, for it to be long-term. Some things that stick in my head just right off the bat was like my dad working when he didn't have a job in the flea market so that he can bring some money home to provide for the family. My uncle taking a a train from Sacramento to San Francisco so that he can, you know, provide for his family every day, right? Those long commutes didn't matter as long as he could keep food on the table, right? Um just taken from people that I saw, uh, what I liked and what I didn't like, to be honest, um, like shaped me more so in my idea of what a man is. And definitely that stoicism was common through everyone I saw, that not really showing emotions to the outside. Um, Whatever you have, even when people would pass away, it would just Mm -hmm. be... He good, yeah. I mean, he looks good. He looks the same as he always looks. So, you know, so I would definitely say that stoicism was like that was me for sure. Like me and Jay have talked about it before. Like, don't take pictures because, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, what are we smiling mm-hmm. for? Like that was that was definitely time we talked about it before. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't take pictures. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, no, it's it's ridiculous like that stuff. when I try to take pictures of guys. Yeah, it's the same thing. Everybody, the guys are like. And I'm always like, look like you love me. Look like you're happy to be here. Like, right? Just uh-huh. relax, right? Um, but- I, I think that's another piece of it because, like, uh, James was saying this, and it made me think about another thing that I was taught was sacrifice, right? And, like, as mm-hmm. a man, you're supposed to sacrifice a lot to make sure the family is good, everyone around you is good. And, like that, that was huge in mind. I saw my, like he said, I saw my grandpa work multiple jobs, right? The fair came along every year. He worked the fair, did a cooking. He did a lot of cooking for that to get extra money. Uh, I watched him do, like, you know what I'm saying? Just little like stuff. Like he was always doing something to try to provide for the family. And my dad was the same way. Like my dad would not be out without a job less than a week. It felt like because, you know, got to provide for the family. So there was times he worked multiple jobs. There was times he worked mm-hmm. the graveyard shift or he worked a lot of overtime and just whatever he had to do to make sure he was providing for the family. So it was like sacrificing sometimes time with the family to provide for the family. Let, let me ask you all this though, right? Because again, I think typically a lot of us are aware that stereotypically throughout history, we have known men to be providers, right? So that's, mm-hmm. so you, you both are sharing that in common where you, you've looked at these men who are providers, right? What I'm getting at is mm-hmm. the emotional aspect of it because that is harder for guys, right? Um, and again, for, for reasons we know. So I'm actually curious, James, for you, when you said you saw your grandpa and the way he loved your grandma, 
if you can, and, and mm-hmm. kind of putting you on the spot, can you, do you remember what about that was appealing to you? Like, what about that was like, oh, like, I, I like that, or this is how I love this woman. Like, do you have, like, an idea of just what about that? Did you like the way they look sweetly to each other, or just whatever that was for you? I'm just wondering why that maybe appealed to you. Yeah, it just seemed different, I guess, than the other relationships that I saw. Um, obviously, they had been together for a long time at that point. So you saw, like, the little... I'm very, I'm very much a, I'm going to jab my partner. Not like, like, but they play off of yeah, each other. Yeah. Right. So I like that where you could still sit, see that it was love and it was jokingly and it wasn't them arguing necessarily. Right. I like that part, part of it and that it was just open at that point. It was just so much open love that they were showing to each other, which was obviously um, a big thing because. I grew up with a lot of people that didn't show emotions. So then even when my grandpa would show emotions openly, I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, that that must be the difference between me just liking this girl and me, like, loving someone is that I'm more vulnerable to show this open emotion mm-hmm. to them. Um, the, the word that I think of, like, when I heard you talking was this idea of security, right? So, again, you all were talking about, like, being a provider. I think... That's how men have thought of like, this is security. I, I provide, I do a house, I right? But you're, the way you just described your grandma and grandpa, to me, that is security. When you feel open, you use the word open, right? I can, they could be open. They were loving with each other. That is security, right? So again, just even from an emotional aspect, how important it is to feel love in that way and that security is stretches beyond providing house the food, the other stuff, that there is value in like the emotions of it, right? So I really like that you gave mm-hmm. um, that example. Um, I don't know, I'm just going back. Jay, your turn, you're right. <laughs> but, uh, Go ahead. but no, but Jay, so I guess, so then I'm thinking about like the way we think about manhood. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I, I've always been curious about this. I've always been, listen, I'll tell you, I've known some men who were just in the streets, wouldn't commit to anybody, right? And then I've seen some men who stay like that forever. And then there's some men who one day be like, some snaps. And I've seen some men get in relationships and now they like a joint package. Like wherever you, like now they with their girl all the time, right? And I've always been curious how that even happens. Like this, however we use to define manhood and how we yeah. become vulnerable in, in sharing. So for you, my question is, you growing up with your models of manhood, not showing a lot of emotions. When for you did you did you decide like I should do something different? Like there like you saw like there were some benefits in in vulnerability. Man, um quite honestly, I've been always been very reflective in relationships. Um just in, in general. You know, I guess it's a light skin thing, I don't know. No, but I've been very reflective mm-hmm. on just like what happened in this relationship. You know what I mean? Like looking back like when I was younger, it was always like, yeah, that girl, that girl, that girl. And I think when I started to really think like, okay, it ain't, can't always be the other person. And I really started thinking like, what did I do in these relationships? Like, there's a there's a theme happening. What What is my part in this theme with these relationships? Um, and then quite honestly, man, right before I met my wife, I think that was a, a time where I was kind of like done with females, so to speak. I was like, yeah, I'm about to just go have fun again, whatever. Like, if whatever happens, happens. And kind of my relationship with my wife um, changed a lot of how I communicate, how I understood how to express my emotions. And it helped me come to this, this vulnerability state where I can be vulnerable with my partner on more levels than I've ever been with anybody in my life. Um, and it was, it was more natural than anything. I think her honesty... And accepting me for who I was, the good, bad, and the ugly, because she met me at a time where it wasn't all great. But being able to communicate that and still show me, uh, you know, love, appreciation, and just support, I think it helped me be like, okay, this is somebody I can trust. Because I did have, like most people, like I don't I don't think I should give you my all, because that manhood thing is like, if I give you too much, you're going to take it and use it against me. 
and I had it happen before in relationships. So it was like that, that wall was up, but with her, she was able to help me break down those walls and just be able to kind of like communicate better what I'm actually feeling. Um, and it was a process. It didn't happen over time. It was just like, I know this is something that I want and this is something she's asking for. How can I help provide that for her? She's asking me to open up more. She's asking me to talk about my emotions more. She's asking me when I'm struggling, let her know. And I was so used to not doing that. It was just hard to try and chip away. But eventually I realized, like, okay, this is somebody I want to be with the rest of my life. So I have to do these things to make sure that we are moving in the same accord. Yeah. Do you feel, so that helped with do it. you feel lighter? Right. Cause again, it's, it's. Oh, a hundred percent. I'll be real with you. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause like in a past relationships, it was, there, it, there was no, like, this is the end goal. I think, I think even if there was situations where I like mm-hmm. thought this might be in the person or whatever, but it was always like a one foot in what you always had an exit plan type thing. Like, or right, if this go bad, I know I I can go always flip back and woo or you know whatever. With this one, it was it was never like no, nah, this is it. You know what I'm saying? I got down on my knee. I said I want to. You know I ain't proposed. This is it. So let me kind of work work the things that I haven't really worked before and figure it out. And we're gonna figure it out together. And that feeling, that burden or whatever on your shoulders, definitely felt released, uh, released that tension. Because I'm like, hey, at the end of the day, I can't control what this person does with this information, but I can try to give them my all and just hope that they can take that information and use it for the right reasons. And if this is the person who I mm-hmm. think she is, then I don't have nothing to worry about. Yep. I actually was literally talking about that today. Because I heard you say a lot, right? But um, the the client that I'm I'm working with, there does seem to be like a fear of emotions. There's a fear of it, right? And and, and why is it a fear? And I think what what you're saying is you don't know what people are going to do with this information, right? And then we kind of have these exit plans. And we say it's an exit plan, but really what that come down to is I'm afraid you're going to hurt my feelings. So as long as I got plan A, B, and C back here, if you try to hurt my feelings, I'm not going to really be hurt because I, I made all these plans, right? So so that, this is all this is. We, we just we don't want our 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 feelings hurt, right? Um, and so my advice or the way I kind of see this is just living your life the best way you know how, right? And that's with integrity or your values or whatever that is and whatever somebody else does with information, mm-hmm. that's on them. But it doesn't change like who you are and the way you try to show up and be your best, right? Um, 100%. But, and that's why I asked if you felt lighter. Because again, if, you, if, if men are always trying to be tough all the time, that, that is, that, listen, a lifetime of not being yourself, that's a long time of not being yourself or feeling like you can't be yourself, right? And, and whatever that means. And you know, it, it, you get conditioned for so long, you feel like that is yourself, mm. right? You get conditioned by friendships, society, uh, family, your, you know, best friends, whatever, your, your circle, you get conditioned for so long thinking this is how we're supposed to be that that's what, that's it. That's all you know. And it's not until you, you start realizing like, man, this is like you said, this is, this is too hard. We keep putting up this facade or this is too hard to be kind of like jumping out of pictures. Not smiling and like right, right. walking by, walking by the next man or, or the person, and just kind of having a scowl on your face. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, like, I've I've done it, I've done that all, and and realizing like the the day to day of sitting here and focusing on how this person is looking at me, or what this person might think, or what this person might do, that weighs on you. That weighs on you, and there's that the, that pressure and that frustration or everything you whatever you want to call it because that's the way we were taught to be raised look over your shoulder make sure you know this person not trying to backstab you whatever that's hard along with the everyday life pressures you know you add that on top of it so it you know it's it's harder to take the mask off but it's very refreshing mm-hmm. um and then James, did you ever struggle with that? Or because again, you ha- you have bits and pieces, and you had a model of like love, 
right? And what that meant to be to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you feel like being vulnerable and, and communicating was came easy to you? Or do you feel like that was something you also had to, to work at? Uh, I just thought it was something everyone had to work at. I was just... It was easier to show anger. It was more acceptable for me to show anger um, than anything else. I think, especially growing up, right, and you have these figures, especially my my dad, it would be like, if you were crying, you would, you know, certain things would be said about you, right? I don't don't need to say it. People would know. Uh, So then you would just be like, oh, that's, that's not how I'm supposed to show my emotions. So then you just don't, right? And then you never see them cry. So... You're like, all right, well, what they're saying and what they're doing is kind of aligning. So maybe that's actually not how I'm supposed to act. Um, but I think it goes back to a lot of what Jay was saying. What you were saying is that security. What I heard Jay was saying was it took that person that he felt secure with for him to open up. Right? 100%. That one foot, one foot, one foot in, one foot out stuff is because I wasn't feeling secure. And the way I see it is we put all these locks on ourselves over time, whether it's, you know, from our family relationships or our friend relationships, whatever, we're like, oh, I can't do that. Lock that up. Can't do that. Lock that up. And then when you find that person, you're ready to undo all the locks, but you can't just like Alakazam, <laughs> you know, like all the locks are open. You got to take some time and unlock all those locks. And some of those locks you forgot about. And you're like, that's, whoa, dang, I haven't cried since... I was 13 that one time, right? I, I feel my it. Leg or something. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. it. I get it. Like, mm-hmm. So it is a lot of that security when you find someone that you feel secure with. And it doesn't have to be a significant other. It could be a friend mm-hmm. or a therapist, someone that you feel comfortable talking to and, and bearing your soul to. And you you can be open with. I go back to that a lot. Like It's about opening those locks and being able to be open about who you really are and how you really feel with someone, um, a group of people, however. Because that's what it was for me in, in each step of my life. It was, you know, I'm a nerd, and that's not really acceptable because I'm also an athlete. So what identity am I choosing here? I, it's one or the other because I didn't know that those identities can blend. You can be both, right? So... I locked the nerd away for a long time and I had to unlock that when I found a community where I was like, Oh, I can be myself with them because I felt secure in that. Right. A lot of this identity stuff, especially when we talk about your identity as a man comes from what you learn in your household, what you see on, in, on TV. Right. So with these pictures that you're seeing, this is why I really want to get into like how we're portrayed in, in the media because it does affect us. Yeah. And I know it affected me. And then I didn't see anyone that was like me in TV except for Urkel, who was way off there. Right. There was no one that was like, yeah, I like I like comic books, but I'm still like the cool character. No, he's like, I'm the nerd. Look at my pants way up here. Like, I'm not that person. So I can't relate to that. So who am hmm. I? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I like what you say, like this idea that identities blend, right? Mm-hmm. So then it's like, what does it mm-hmm. be? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be black? What does it mean to be a black man? What does it mean to be a black man in your thirties? Mm-hmm. A black man in your forties? A black man when you're twenty? What does it mean to be? I mean, it's, it's it's all of that stuff, right? And the identities blend, and what yeah. for me has been so refreshing, right? Is that you two are actually the blend. Of what I would say, like vulnerable, and then, but, but when I see you, you are a very manly man to me. Like I, I've never looked at y'all of like not men are as strong or something. And in my opinion, for me, in my experience in my life lens, for me that actually makes the strongest men the ones who actually can tap into mm-hmm. both of those. And so being able to really blend these identities is not one or anything, right? It, you can be both, and I don't think in society we leave. Um, room to be both in anything right just to be more than one identity at any time right um so then the question i was if you can do it i was thinking about like how do you 
define it today? Like how, like for you right now, like what does it mean to be a a man? Like how do you, and I'm asking y'all, cause if y'all ask me what it meant for me to be a woman, I don't know how I would identify this. I would need a second. So I'm like really putting y'all kind of on the spot, right? But at, and since I went first, we're going to let James go first this time. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> well, well, let me let me also throw this out. There has to be some benefits for it, right? Like, I always think about that. Like, so again, if we kind of go on this premise of like men have been taught to be in control and because that serves a benefit, that kind of keeps uh, a certain group dominant. And there, there are benefits to this, right? So I think it's for me as a therapist has been very hard to convince men that there's benefits to being softer or vulnerable or emotional, right? Like, I think men are like, what do I get out of this? Why am I talking about these emotions? You know, I'm afraid of emotions. You know, I don't like emotions. You know, I don't want to feel anger, right? Like, why Like why we got, I was a lot better being in the court amount of my business and not thinking about any of this stuff, <laughs> right? So I don't think, um, I can tell you what I think are the benefits of this, right? Um, but I think there are benefits to this and before I finally James answer the question, I'm throwing it out there that like, just food for thought for people who are listening to this, right? I think it's important to define your own identity even before you meet anybody. So I know we use examples a day when we met our significant others and you know, how that helps you feel secure. But um, I think it's good for men in particular to practice identifying emotions and not like waiting for the person. To, to help them, right? Mm-hmm. And then again, I think whether that's a sibling or a grandparent or a friend or even within yourself, just recognizing some stuff in, in, in yourself. Now, I think a partner can help you get there, right? Um, yeah. But I just think it's important to define it. It's a conduit. Heck of smart. That was a good word. That was a good word. You heck of smart. Um, <laughs> it was on my calendar. <laughs> no, you used another word earlier, and I was like, man, he heck of smart. You said something. I was like, I ain't never used that word before. I can't remember what we go through. I was like, James Haggis smart. Mm-hmm. But um, so anyways, so hard question, but how, what does it mean for you to be a man? Like, how do you define that? What does that look like? Okay, I actually, I will touch on that. Um, that's one of the things that I have a hard time doing defining what a man is because of who I've been, right? Because of being a African American male here in the Bay Area where I was like, "Oh, I I'm an athlete. No, I'm a nerd. No, I like this. No, I like that." Like none of that equals black male because until I really remember when Childish Gambino started coming out and making music and I was like, that's it. That's, that's who, that's the guy I'm talking about. That's the guy I'm like, I'm trying to tell people that I am right there. That guy, right. Where I could talk about being the first black Spider-Man, but still do all this other stuff. Right. And be in this hyper masculine state, which is, you know, rap music and still be talking about the stuff that I love to talk about. Right. So I, I feel like I have a hesitation on putting labels on things like this is what it means to be this um, because it's ever mm. fluid. Right. And it, it's going to change between me and Jay and the next person, the next person, the next person. Um, what it means for me to be a man. It's not I actually don't ever define it. I just want to say, what does it mean for me to be the best person that I can be? which for me was opening up and being more open about my emotions. Because once I started doing that, I realized I was having more meaningful conversations, stronger attachments with people on a level that I never would have before. Right. I could talk to Jay about sports all day, but that's not going to get us to the point where we are now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man. Right. You talk about, like, people always say this, like, this person would run through a wall for you. I want to run through a wall for you if we're both Clippers fans. <laughs> That's right? Yeah. But That's because facts. I know Jay's story and we have this more emotional, like, connection, right. I would run through a wall for Jay. 
I appreciate that, brother. Right? Everything is so much more elevated because I am more open. And we do see this as weakness growing up, but I realize that it is a strength. It is. Because not everyone can do it. If everyone could do it, then maybe we could have something to talk about. But we're all we're strong enough to sit here and bear our souls to I don't know, hundred people. <laughs> I don't know who listens to this, right? Like some strangers, some people that I've known forever that have never seen me like this. Yeah. Like this is the strongest that I've ever been, and it's because I've opened up. You said this wasn't a definition, and this was a definition if I ain't ever heard it, right? Like, so, I mean, you didn't say like, this is what it means to be a man, but you definitely defined what it means to be yourself, what it means to um, welcome all parts of yourself. And you said it, I have my, this is my therapist. When people say good things, I like grab my pen real quick. You said something and I was trying to quote you. You were talking about you and Jay and you're like, things are elevated because we're open. I was like, if that ain't facts, y'all are elevated because you all are open. And that is the benefits. And that's what you get from being vulnerable is you feel closer to Jay because you actually know him in a real way, not just the surface level things of we both Clipper fans or whatever, right? Like, you know what I mean? And so, um, Mm -hmm. again, what I'm hearing from you is the way you're defining yourself, a man being a part of it, but but not putting yourself in this because I'm a man, I I have to do this thing as a man. Because I'm a black man, I do these things because I'm a man. Because I, right? You're saying I'm a, I'm, you're going to welcome all right. these things that feel good to you because you see the benefits mm-hmm. of what it means when you are open with Jay like that or who, who your partner or, or anything like that, right? So to me, that was a hell right, of a right. definition, right? Yeah, I, man, like it's funny because. This is how this is how me and James are, but it's funny to what he was saying was things I was already thinking about saying. And so it just goes to show that when you're open, you find people who you who you connect with on different levels. Like we like there's been plenty of times in the past like we're on the same wavelength and we don't even like not even trying to be there, not even know it. But I, I think like the same thing. There is no definition for me. Um what it is for me is being my authentic self. And embracing all the parts of me and being unapologetically me. You know what I mean? Because I feel like, just like James was saying, we being a black man in a society, there's certain things that you have to check the box or, oh, you're not a black man. And mm-hmm. some of those things I check, some of those things I don't check. You know what I mean? And, and growing up, you had to be like, okay, well, I have to check this. So let me make sure I'm marching to this drum that oh, this is what all black folks do. And that's not how reality works. You know what I'm saying? That's not how society uh, should work. I mean, that's what they want us to do. But I think it's more about defining on just who you are as an individual and what you want from your manhood and embracing every aspect about your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The good, the bad, the ugly. Because at the end of the day, the only person who's helping you develop is going to be you. Right? Just like we know in therapy and counseling and all that, the only person who can change after going through sessions is the individual. I can go get a lot of information from uh, my therapist, my counselor, whoever, my best friend, my mom, my auntie. But if I don't actually feel the need to do make a change in my life, it's not going to happen. And I think a lot of times for me <clears throat> with manhood, it was let me suppress this because either my group of friends or my family or whoever this doesn't fit what their image of me is. And so growing now where I'm at, where I'm so in tune with who I am and who I'm becoming and who I want to be at all times, I'm comfortable with just being me no matter what circle or, or situation I'm in. And before it was kind of like, Oh, all right, let me put, let me turn down my smile over here in, in the goofiness. Let me get back to the scowl. Right, and I was over here with this group. Oh, let me turn down the scale. Let me turn back up my goofiness. I'm a goofy person. I like to have fun, and so like now I'm just can embrace that about me. Yeah, in all aspects. Yeah. Um, I just I'll end it with this because again, I'm a I'm a theme person. I'm a like the core person, right? At the core of this, I'm hearing connection because I because what I want people to walk away from listening to this is 
why? What's the importance? Mm -hmm. why, why tap into emotions, right? All of this that I'm hearing today is really about this concept of connection and the kind of connections you want to have, right? You can have yeah, surface level connections. You can have deep connections. You can have, again, we kind of run away from connections because it makes us feel like we're too vulnerable. But really, when you have those few people that you really connect with on that level, that's the most security you can ever have, right? And you don't get that security in those loving relationships if you are not yourself, your authentic self, and being open about your emotions, right? So really, yeah. I'm really hearing this idea of emotions are important because they are the ultimate thing that helps with our connections. And I think most people want connection, even though some people kind of act more so like they don't want it. The bottom line, the core, I think most, most people want um, a connection and that's how you do it. So that's what I think are the benefits of it is is one. And then the last thing I'll say is Emotions are truth tellers, right? Emotions are truth tellers. So mm -hmm. yeah. if we are spending time with somebody and we just in here don't feel right, listen to what that feeling is. What, what is that? What does that mean? But if you, you feel happy around somebody, what does that mean? Oh, that's telling me something, right? If anger is in the room. So if this is my psychology, I want everybody to know this. So if, if, if when you're feeling an emotion, talk to emotion like a person. So instead of it being like, oh, I'm angry, I shouldn't be angry. Welcome it. Hey, anger. All right, what's up? What's, where you at? What you trying to tell me today? Because anger is trying to tell you to change something, right? If you're yeah. feeling sad, sad is trying to tell you to change something. Some, Something's not working, right? Something's making you happy. Something's telling you that thing is working for you. What is that, right? And so um, mm -hmm. when we talk about men and mental health, it's because they're not using emotions to help guide them in the right direction. Right. And, 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 and men are just holding it in. Right. Um, so I just really wanted to, yeah. to talk about the benefits of this and why it's good to be in touch with emotions. It helps us on on so many levels. So, yeah. So many levels, man. Real talk. It really does. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you all for, for exploring this with me. I, I've been I've been thinking about it. I appreciate it. Um, Y'all had a little mini therapy session. How's it feel? This is kind of, this is kind of what therapy with me would look like a little bit. Do you feel like y'all just got some, some therapy going today? Is that? That's what that's what I said was gonna happen today. I was like, well, I know what's about to happen. We about to get a little yep, therapy yep. session. That's cool. I'm ready. Hold on. <laughs> Put on my hood. Let me hide a little bit. <laughs> That's all good. I told you, and I told you I wasn't gonna be that bad. But everybody made it. Everybody survived. It's good. I feel like this is good. Is I feel good. like this is a good comment. I, I think it, it gives people a lot of uh, a new perspective to look at it too, yeah. because uh, you know, as you go on this journey of of kind of healing yourself and uh, just you know getting close to your authentic self, a lot of people start to feel uncomfortable, um, and they don't know why. And I think having these conversations and going through this session that we just did right now is going to help people in terms of getting that why, understanding that why. Like, oh, okay, so this is what this is trying to tell me. Like you said, talking to this emotion. I feel uncomfortable about this change in James because maybe it's trying to tell me something. Or, you know, oh, Jay's not doing this like he used to, and that doesn't make me feel good. And, it, you know, just speaking to it. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And I think it's also good because we we are two brothers who are open with this. And if you are one of the people who listen to this, have that conversation. Hit us up. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm very open into yeah. just talking. Because I feel like a lot of us we wanna say things and we just don't. We wanna have a conversation and we don't. Yeah. But you said it like yeah. when you talk about emotions, it, again when when we because we <clears throat> What makes us feel bad is we often feel like we are isolated in our experience, right? But when you talk to people, you actually learn that we are way more similar than we are different, right? And so, again, I kind of go back to that connection piece, right? And that's what being open really, really does for us. So we don't actually have to do anything by ourselves because you really don't have to, right? So, again, the theme of it being connection. Love this. So I have a question. To who? Okay. Um, I was like, Jay. Jay? Yeah. Would you, would you? Anyone? Everyone. Ever, everyone. Um, before you started, Jay, right? If I'm a, a newcomer to this, I haven't grown up showing emotions 
or the only emotion I know is anger. So I've locked away all the other emotions. How do I start digging into my other emotions in a healthy way? Because I know once you start unlocking some things, mm-hmm. it could be a flood, mm-hmm. right? Like when I started this journey, it was a flood of emotions. And yeah, you instantly want to be like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like too yeah, much. Yeah. Like, no, stop, go back. <laughs> so what's a good way to go about starting to unlock your emotions or have these conversations in a, in a healthy environment, in a healthy way? Wait, you talking oh, to me? He's, he's... Oh, yeah. anyone that wants to go, anyone that wants to go. I mean, I, I go a little bit and we'll let, we'll let our MFT talk to us. But <laughs> I mean, I think for me, it's, I feel like all of us have one, maybe one person in our life who they talk to about certain things, you know, and they're that, that, that ear who listens. Um, it might not be about everything, maybe about just surface level things, but you have that one person, you know, you can turn to and go talk to. And if you don't have that person, right, because there's a lot of people who did it or they think they don't, um, just trying to find, just trying to find a, a way to just express it. You can go to therapy. If you feel like you have nobody in your life to talk to, and then you can also talk to yourself, like like Sharon is saying, like talk to yourself, like understand what is this trying to tell me? What is the situation trying to tell me? What is the scenario trying to tell me? Like reflecting, and I think that's what led us, led all of us probably, probably to this this uh, mental health component and the lifestyle and just understanding and embracing it was a reflection piece, like having that self that that self reflection and talking to yourself just about mm-hmm. what is this, right? You get a feeling for so long, uh, and for me, it was the feeling of being uneasy and frustrated and anger, like James was saying. And it's just like, okay, you can keep suppressing it, or you can say, like, let me just address this. Like, what what is this? Why do I respond this way? Or why does this make me react this way? Um, and that's where I started. I really started with just there. Like, why does this? Like, why is this happening? What is going on? Yeah. What can I do? What can I do to change it to make this a little different? You know, I don't like this feeling that I'm feeling, right? This anger, this tenseness, mm-hmm. this frustration, uh, wanting to lash out and pop, like the video said. So how can I fix it or how can I change this? What behaviors do I have to really look at to kind of help change my my current situation, my current behavior, so I don't feel this frustrated? And when I did my, my, my reflection piece, it was more of like, okay, you have to speak up. You have to talk to individuals. You have to talk to yourself. You have to talk to your spouse. You have to talk to your family. And then, you know, that causes other anxieties. And like you said, the flood comes because now you're like, oh, this person, how are they going to respond to it? Um, and that, that put me in a state of paralysis for a while. But then I realized, like, like we talked about before on this podcast, you guys heard us say this. It is not my job to change others. It is my job to change and improve myself and heal myself. So I have to be my authentic self in order to do that. And that might be having these difficult conversations with people um, or talking about a, a negative experience that happened in the past to kind of help me grow and develop from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but MFT? <laughs> uh, I would say step one being um, how to handle these things in a healthy manner is having a healthy relationship with emotions, right? And I think that's, the the biggest part of it because we don't like feeling them right so i mean i'm I'm basically going to be saying the same thing as, as jay but it really is um but in a smarter way yo. <laughs> jay is brilliant like it's fine right but um so having a healthy relationship with these things because again i think when we have emotions we shame ourselves because we're having this experience. Like I think when, when people are angry, they're, they hate themselves for being angry. When they're sad, they hate themselves for being sad because it's like, why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't even be sad. I shouldn't even be sad, right? Um, and so again, if we can kind of take the shaming, acceptance. We are having the human experience and we are gonna have all of the emotions. We are going to feel sad. We are gonna feel envy. We're gonna feel jealous. We're gonna be happy. We're gonna be overzealous we're, we're gonna have all these emotions so if we can just accept all of the emotions as the human experience that is like step one and like you're not gonna get past that 
And again, just going back to the, and then what are the emotions trying to tell you, right? So Sharon, I get jealous. Like I'm telling you right now, like I definitely, if don't let somebody start, don't let somebody I know get a good job and start making more money than me. I'm going to be like, what I got to do? I ain't on that level. I need to make more. Like I'm telling you right now, that is like one of my go-tos. Like, Man, and not that I'm not happy for people, but it definitely gets my brain spinning around like, man, I should be making, I should be out here just like, well, I'm not doing right. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, I mean, when I see everybody who married with kids, I'll be like, right, right. Like, so I, I go through that stuff. Right. So jealousy is something or envy or whatever that is. That's definitely a part of me. And I actually try to get a relationship with that. So when I feel that little I'm not feeling too good about myself. I'm feeling a little jealous. I actually go back to jealousy. What you trying to tell me? Oh, you you telling me to think more about steps I can make towards my future? Oh, you telling me to think about how to diversify my financial portfolio and how to make that better? Oh, you're trying to tell me how to, right? Like really, like that's really what it's telling me, right? So I don't need to walk the life of someone else, walk in somebody else's shoes per se. But when when that happens Mm -hmm. to me or it's, Sharon, identify your life for yourself. It's a reminder of defining what my stuff looks like for me. Like, that's cool for somebody else, but, like, defining my own life. So I actually try to use jealousy as these core reminders of, like, what I actually want to do, redefining my life for myself. What does that look like? What part of this is making me jealous? Is this Are these my values or something else, right? So I just I take the opportunity to tap into myself. Um, and I think that's a healthy way versus... I don't know, me just being a hater and whatever, like being mean to somebody or not nice to somebody or whatever. I kind of check myself. And I think when we do that, then we have healthy conversations because we are aware of what we're bringing to that conversation, our own baggage, our own stuff, right? So we can just go into that knowing our stuff. It really helps for the, the conversation. So, yeah. So having a healthy relationship you with know, emotions. Yeah. Going inward. That was something James had previously said on a previous podcast. Going inward. Yeah. I mean, it's having the words, mm-hmm. right? Like everything Sharon was talking about was also having the words. Because even just yesterday, I got off a call and it's like, man, I don't like how I feel getting off this call. And I was telling my partner, like, I don't think this is something I should do because of the way I feel every time I get off these type of calls. And I have to reflect on that, right? Like I have to dig deeper. Like, why is it these calls make me feel Mm -hmm. this way? You know, what is this feeling even that I have? Because it's not like one of those off the top emotions, like sadness or anger. Like it's one of those blends. Like, I don't know. Something's uneasy here. Let me dig deeper on what this feeling is why I feel this way. Because like you said before, Sharon, those emotions are trying to tell me something. So what is it trying to tell me? Right. And going back to what it means to be a man, a lot of us don't go deeper into those emotions. We just throw those emotions out. Like, ah, something I can't title. Bye. Mm -hmm. All right. Move on. Right. Like, I guess I won't deal yeah. with them no but, more. But you know, right? but you, but you, <laughs> but you do deal with it, right? Like I always go to the hot stove example. Yeah. That's my favorite one. I always, I always ask clients this. I'll be like, "This is my, this is my stove." Okay, okay. So you got a kid. They put their hand on a hot stove. I'll ask you too. How does the kid know to take the hand off? Because it's hot. They get it's hot. Hurt. It's hot. Right. <laughs> what would happen if the the kid kept their hand on the stove? burn their hand. It sure. would burn their hand. So then there's benefits to pain, right? Because pain is letting us, that mm. kid know, ooh, don't like that, don't like that, right? So I'm really concerned about clients when they got their hand on a stove and they're like, I don't see it, what? Ain't no burning, ain't nothing happening over here, right? And people mm. will just keep their hand on that mm. stove, right? And there's been times I'm try- I try to get people to see your hand on the stove now, your hand, and they like what, what stove? It ain't here. It ain't, it ain't here. It ain't <laughs> here, right? So again, I think um, people are afraid of their emotions. 
I know people who are afraid of their, what they think their behavior might be, right? Like if I get angry, what if I, like people are almost afraid of themselves. Um, but it, again, if you can kind of understand it as this message, it can be really helpful, right? Because again, if you're not, if you're not using pain to guide you, what's, what's protecting you? If you're saying, I don't need that, I don't need that, then you just walking around like this all day. You just walking around, and then you wonder why you got all this hell in your life, right? Like, and, we, and, and now you, do, as I say that, and, and you got do, all this do. hell in your life because you know. Mm -hmm. And again, that's some telling you some got to change, something has to be different, something has to happen, right? And um, mm -hmm. if you ignore it, then you're you're ignoring. Uh, this is kind of spiritual, but maybe this is we were given this from God, the universe, the whoever created all this. Emotions didn't happen for no reason. This is all for us to survive, right? This is a surviving tool, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And our problem is we ignore it because we've been taught logic. And I'm doing this because everybody's logic is different, right? We've learned that logic trumps emotions, like right? And so I use this logical brain and not emotions. And what I'm saying, the blend of the two are a beautiful the thing, right? Um, the most and listen to these emotions. They trying to tell you something. They trying to tell you something. If you can blend logic and emotions, it makes you impossible to argue Man, with. It makes it's you unstoppable too. But you, but you can't. Do you find yourself losing but, arguments well, to your partner? Blend logic and. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, but, 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 but to help, but to help with communication, though, remember you you literally cannot argue an emotion. You can't. So people people argue yeah, no. details all day. Well, you don't do this and you don't do. This. Well, I do this and you don't be doing. Remember that one time I did this and you did. We could argue. Well, no, I didn't uh -huh. do that. You did that. I can. People argue details all day, right? But if I say, hey, when this happened, this is how I feel. I'm angry. I'm sad. This makes me. Mm. What the person gonna do? You're not mm -hmm. angry, you're not sad, you're not whatever, right? So when yeah. you communicate that feeling, somebody has to in your life gotta try to figure that out. Oh, this make you oh I gotta I gotta work that out. Right? So you mm -hmm. cannot argue mm -hmm. an emotion. You can't. You just you can't do it. You can't do it. So emotions are you can try to important. Tell you you're wrong. That's the wrong emotion. All right, main takeaway of the day, y'all. Take your hand off your the hand stove. Take your hand off the stove. Mm -hmm. Take your hand off the stove. All right, y'all. I think that's a great segue. This has been another episode of the Highway to Healing Podcast with your host, Jay Tobe, James Parker, and Sharon, a.k.a. Bait Therapist. Uh, we, once again, appreciate everyone who came out to listen to our podcast today, this episode. We hope you <laughs> have some takeaways. I know I got some takeaways. Um, and we really do appreciate your support. Once again, y'all, how many hidden podcasts? We appreciate y'all, and we are out. Thank you for listening to the Highway to Healing Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please follow us on Instagram at The Highway, the number two, healing, as well as follow us on YouTube, The Highway to Healing Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Do what you do, like, subscribe, share with your friends and family, and we really appreciate it. Let's build this community together.